welcome to the Downhouse podcast, where you can learn more about Downhouse School. In this series, we're focusing on ways the school looks forward to the future and leads the sector. One development we're looking at closely as a school is artificial intelligence, or AI, and its place in the classroom and in education generally. In this episode, our host, Simon Jones, speaks to our headmistress, Emma McKendrick, Jane Basnett, Director of Digital Learning, and Digital Ambassadors Astrid in the Lower Sixth, and Sophie in the Lower Fifth. So here we are in this wonderful world of AI, and I've been very much looking forward to this episode because AI is one of these real hot topics right now. We've got four people with us. We're starting off with Mrs. McKendrick. Good afternoon. Good evening. How are you today? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. I hope you are too. I'm very good indeed, thanks. Very. It's, it, it always feels like a real privilege to spend time with people uh, in the evening at school, in a boarding school, because you know I recognise that it's either people's quiet time where they should be doing prep, or if they're a member of staff, then maybe it's a bit of quiet time where they can spend a bit of time on their own. But here, the four of you are doing this recording, and uh, Mrs McKendrick, I really appreciate you being here. What do you normally do on a Monday afternoon around about this kind of time? Oh, it depends of a variety a variety of things. I'm actually going off this evening or very shortly when we finish to visit one of the boarding houses to talk to the upper five about their mock results. So and that wouldn't wouldn't be an unusual uh, Monday evening. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm sure they'll appreciate you spending some time with them. Now, tell me, how did you feel when you first heard that you were going to be speaking on this podcast episode on the subject of AI? Well, I hoped that as long as you weren't going to be too technical, I think was my my hope, but actually in many ways quite excited because it is such an amazing opportunity for us, um, AI in the educational world. So uh, excited, but some trepidation. People often talk about that, don't they? They, they? they talk about the opportunities that it'll bring. They talk about the caution that they're feeling that, you know, with the introduction of AI. Tell me a little bit about um, AI in the world of education. I, I'm thinking about customizing any kind of learning experiences for students with you know, different you know, people who've got different styles of learning or anything like that in school. Do you know, I think it opens up a huge range of opportunities for us. Um, and I think, if, if I'm honest, the girls are using it already now, as are many of the staff, in terms of individualising the learning, the way in which they revise, the way in which teachers approach the planning of their lessons. So it's less a thing of the future. It will continue to develop. But it is something that's, I think, embedding is probably the best way of describing it into the the curriculum and the way in which you're working working now. And I'm looking at the two uh, girls who are next to me who are nodding to say that that is the case. Fabulous. Well, we're going to be hearing shortly from Sophie and Astrid. But Mr McKendrick, I'd love to know as well how... Well, how it's being embraced by the teaching staff at Down House. And I'm thinking in particular about how young people tend to embrace this kind of technology quicker than people of, of our generation and probably the generation of people that are listening to this right now, uh, if they're parents of children at least. And and whether there's a, an, an element of, you know, I'm thinking that because young people tend to learn much quicker, whether there's any element of fear actually within staff that, that their knowledge and understanding may be overtaken by the pupils. I think we're used to the fact that with technology and IT, they are generally further advanced than, than we are in terms of their understanding. But we've been really lucky because um, Mrs. Bassnett, who's sitting with us, who is our 
Director of uh, Digital Learning, and she's been fantastic, actually, at helping us as a, a staff to see what the possibilities are to make sure that we've got the right training to take it on, on board. And I think we're all, all of us, I think probably staff and girls are at different points in the AI journey. So it it is a learning together opportunity for us. So some people probably, like me, do feel a little bit of trepidation, but I think that that excitement is absolutely there as well. And I think we feel we've got the support particularly from Mrs. Basnet, but from others and from the girls too. They're very good at teaching us how to use things. Well, the trepidation is something that I, I certainly share with you, but I'm keen to find out from Mrs. Basnet a little bit about this support that you're talking about. Jane, let me ask you, uh, trepidation, uh, but also support. Uh, how does that work in school? Uh, you know, and and, and how, do, how do you ensure the right training is delivered? I'm thinking about staff in particular to start off with. It's a good question. And in terms of support and ensuring we've got the, the right support, that was a question, right? The right support for staff. I think to start with, I had to demonstrate to my colleagues the power of AI and how it could support them in their work. And so that was through demonstration, showing them how quick and efficient it could be, but also uh, answering their queries and their fears about what's you know what doesn't work with AI you know the AI or the language models that we were talking about that they hallucinate and sometimes give wrong answers uh, and that we have to check and verify and I think being honest about language models and the problems as well as the benefits was the first thing that I needed to do and to I provided support through the whole school through whole school inset but also individual support creating a team of staff who were keen to try things out and then go back and report to um, to colleagues and to help colleagues individually. People like support in different ways. Some people like to sit and work through, through examples on their own, and I provided support in that way. Some people like to have one-on-one -on -one support, and some people are really good at sitting there in, in a whole, you know, uh, a whole meeting environment and and follow uh, follow instructions there and then. And I suppose I think have I answered your question there? You have indeed, you have. Yeah. But 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 you introduced two words or or a combination of two words that I haven't heard before, which is language models. What do you mean exactly by that? Well, when we talk about AI, we are talking artificial intelligence. We're talking about things that we've been using for a long time, um, algorithms in, for example, in social media, Netflix, Spotify, in our uh, smart uh, smart technology at home. There's all these algorithms, AI algorithms that are learning from, uh, from things that we do. Um, and language models, though, is a really things like ChatGPT. And that's when people talk about AI and, and, and how that's really important now, I think a lot of people can just think that ChatGPT is the only AI, but it's not true. And ChatGPT is a language model. And that means that you can type into its very simple interface, I want to do this, that, and the other. And very quickly and efficiently, it will give you an answer. So that's what a language model is. And it learns from what you're doing, and it recognizes patterns, and it then, um, it then responds to your queries and, and gives you answers. It almost sometimes feels like a conversation with a human. 
but one that makes mistakes and one that is biased and one that you have to check. Again, very much like a human in that case on those three points. Okay, well, Jane, don't go anywhere at all because I'm dying to find out more from you shortly. But first of all, I'd like to hear from Sophie in year 10. And Sophie, next to you, we've got Astrid in year 12. We'll we'll come to Astrid. Uh, We'll come to you in a moment, Astrid. But Sophie, as a a pupil at school in year 10, I mean, Mrs. Mrs. Basnett there was talking about things like language models. Is this something that you understand as well as a pupil? Yes. So I use language models, like AI language models, quite a lot, especially in revision. Like I had exams last week and I used ChatGPT or like similar other AI models to, for example, um, create flashcards or like summarize notes or to create questions even. And it's really helpful because um, you can tell it to do exactly what you want. So it's kind of like tailored to you. And also it's tailored to what you need to know. Like, for example, I tell them, um, please prepare this and that for my IGCSE biology exam from Edexcel. And then it would just tell me like exactly what I need to know, which is very helpful because it's like really efficient compared to me like looking for it myself and it saves a lot of time. And I use it in lessons as well. So like if I don't understand a topic or like what the teacher said, and it helps me summarize it really easily because you can just keep telling it to explain it to you if you don't understand. No, that makes perfect sense. That really does. So given that you tell it to tell you the exact thing that you want, is is that I'm I'm thinking of this through the eyes of a of a parent who might be listening. Does that mean that it's doing your homework for you? Well, no, not really, because I tell it to help me do it. So like I tell it to create questions instead of telling it to just fill in these ten questions for me. Like for example, if I have a prep and it says, for example, I don't know like what to how to do the question. I ask it to like explain the whole topic to me instead of asking it to just give me the answer to the question. So then I have to actually use my brain and like figure out what I need to know. Ah, so instead of it telling you what the answer is that you need to be working out yourself, instead you're sort of relearning the same thing, but in a different way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, because I think it's like quite important for you to actually understand it. Because if you just ask it to answer it for you, then you don't actually know it. So then you should use like AI as like, something a tool to help you for like your future benefit rather than just help you do all the work now which wouldn't be beneficial in the future okay right got it so if you don't go anywhere but astrid i'm dying to ask you so astrid you're in lower sixth i think is that right yes that's correct okay so lower sixth or or year 12 depending on which currency people are using right now we've heard from sophie how she uses it in year 10 how do you go about using AI in the work that you're doing, either in class or for your own homework? Well, I think that the way that we use it uh, is essentially quite similar. Um, something else that I do is I've asked, uh, for example, Bing Chat to create a timetable for me or a schedule if I have a large chunk of free time. So, for example, if I had three hours of spare time on a Saturday afternoon and I want to revise physics and I want three 15 minute breaks, I could tell that to Bing Chat and it'll create a timetable for me. And I think this is especially useful since creating timetable and structuring my time, which is really important, takes a lot of time to do that. So that's something that's been really useful for me. And I think that with using with using language models to assist your learning, it's important and it's really interesting to try and think outside of the box on how you can do that because you can ask for it to create questions for you, but I always continuously try to explore different ways in which it can help me that, you know, a human could not. 
Okay, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that. Uh, and again, you mentioned about language models, and we heard about ChatGPT. Mrs. Basson explained that that's one of the uh, versions of a, of, of a language model. You mentioned about Bing Chat as well, Bing being a, <laughs> a search engine from Microsoft. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I use Bing Chat because um, after exploring a couple different of the language models, um, I realized that Bing Chat is the only one that I found that could understand me when I told it to create questions according to an exam board, for example, at Excel or AQA. I found that with ChatGPT, it, it didn't quite get its head around an exam board and what that meant. And for me, when revising for exams, that's really important that I'm revising the content that's relevant to the syllabus. Ah, so here we're using AI then not just to gain a better understanding of what the subject is, but a better understanding as to essentially how to score a better result in, in the exam as well. Absolutely, yeah. Mrs. Basnett, tell me tell me a little bit about this because you know, it's really interesting hearing about this. And, you know, again, I'm thinking, I always feel like I'm trying to ask questions on behalf of the people who might be listening to this right now and what thoughts they might be having right now. It's incredible to hear about this understanding that these language models seem to have, or that Bing Chat certainly has, regarding things like the the exam board. T tell me a little bit about that. Well, with Bing Chat, which is Microsoft's uh, version, um, or co-pilot, or as our removes like to call it, copilot, um, <laughs> which is really cute, I think. Um, what they that language model can you can open that up on the same page as your as a as a, um, a web page, and it can read what's on the web page. So you could say, summarize this web page. Give me the ten most salient points that I need to know from this web page. Whereas with ChatGPT. 3.5, we're getting technical here, it's unpaid for, uh, and you can't, it can't read things as well. It can't read a web page. Um, there are other, there are loads of others, Simon, there are loads of other um, language models. There's Claude, there's Poe, there's Pi, there are so many, Google Bard, and they are all pushing each other. It's a bit like, it's a bit like the Olympics. They just get the results get better and better because everyone just keeps pushing each other to get better and better and to you know to, to streamline what they're doing so they can run faster or you know, whatever it is the technology is getting better and it will it will only keep moving forward. I love the way that you're using the Olympics there to base this on. It's certainly going to help me sleep tonight, uh, for sure. T tell me a little bit then about how, if, again, if parents are listening to this and maybe they wanted to step into the world of AI a little bit more to understand maybe what their children are going through or what their children are going to be going through in this amazing world, what is the best way for a parent to experience it a little bit? I think the best way is to think about something that they need and to ask for help. So one of the simple things that I, I do, you know, for for anybody who's doing the family cooking, I've used, I apologize if anybody's heard this before, but you know, you're doing the family cooking for the week, simply ask ChatGPT, I have to cook, you know, uh, the family meals this week. Two of us don't like meat, two of us are allergic to nuts, um, and I want to spend this much money. Within seconds, ChatGPT will provide your seven weeknight, uh, your five weeknight meals and your weekend meals. And you can ask it then, okay, could you write me the recipes for this, this meal on Tuesday night? And can you please create the shopping list for me? I would get them to start with something simple like that. 
I think that would be a good use. The other way, um, for example, I, the other day with the upper six, I demonstrated to them how they could ask the language model to just help them understand what what expenses they may, might have when they go off to university. And f it was... Um, it was very good. It gave them an overview. When I asked them what they thought their biggest expense was, they, they did suggest it would be food. But of course, ChatGPT rightly said that probably their rent would be their biggest expenditure. But it was a really good eye opener for them. And it was very quick. It, it was very quick to produce a list of what their expenses might be. And then you could get down into more granular detail. So it's always important, I guess, then, given what you're saying, that we use AI as a guide to our learning as opposed to relying on it as being the be-all and end-all? That is a very important point and it's one that with my AI team here, um, Sophie and Astrid are just two of the team, but we are really trying to get the message out to the girls that it's important that it is just the guide on the side and you can't use it to write your work for you because you have to have the knowledge, first of all. You have to do the hard work, first of all. You have to know when it's getting it wrong. As I think I said the other day, you can't fix something if you don't know that it's broken. So you have to you have to do the research, you have to do the work, you have to have the knowledge so that you can check that what you've been given is good. Awesome. No, I love that. I really do. Uh, Jane, I've got one more question before I'm, I'm going to ask you to pass the mic back to Mrs. McKendrick, because I'm dying to talk to Mrs. McKendrick in a moment about the ethical implications of AI. So Emma, I'm giving you a couple of minutes warning there. Um, but Jane, just before we do that, tell me a little bit about this chat GPT thing. You mentioned about 3.5 and it's being it being a free version. Uh, I hear that there's a GPT-4. I, I don't know whether you pay for that. I, I don't know whether there are any other numbers at all. Should people be using 3.5 or should we should we be using something else? I think that there's absolutely no need to pay for ChatGPT-4, although I do, just so that I can keep ahead of what's going on around and about at school. Um, in ChatGPT-4, you can get pictures which you can't get in ChatGPT 3.5. But then if you just go to Bing Chat, you can get the pictures and that's free. So it's about knowing what you can and can't do in different things. In number four, ChatGPT 4, you can um, attach a PDF and it will read the PDF. But then you could go to Claude and it will do exactly the same thing for you. So there are, there are ways around, uh, ways around the, the limitations of ChatGPT 3.5. But to be honest, the, the example I gave you about, you know, asking it to work out your weekly meals or work out your budget, you could do that in 3.5 and it would do a good job. Delighted to hear this. And I think all the parents listening to this are delighted as well. Uh, most of us have monthly subscriptions, mainly to Netflix and Disney already. So the last thing we need is, is another one. So thank you for that, Jane. Mrs. McKendrick, ethical implications. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on this regarding AI, in particular regarding education? I think it's a it's a really good point. And it's one we've talked about quite a lot and quite seriously is, you know, it's an enormously powerful tool, but it has to be used like all powerful tools well and effectively and, and as you say, ethically and, and morally. So we do take time to talk through what that means from the very basic things that we were hearing this evening, but hugely important that there's no point in getting... Um, AI to do your work for you because that doesn't help you to grow your knowledge. It's not ethically right. You're submitting something that isn't isn't true to you. Um, so we take quite a bit of time emphasising the need to 
cite AI if you use it appropriately in, in work, etc. But I think much more broadly than that, of course, is how do we use it later in life and making sure that you know it isn't used for fake news or if it is we understand, etc. So we take quite a bit of time to to look at that and think about the values around around AI really um, in all sorts of ways, both in you know house discussions, in debates, in learning for life, which is our equivalent of PSHE and and as digital ambassadors, I think that and e champions, that's something you think about quite a lot as well. I guess in many ways it's it's the opportunity that this will enable us to do as opposed to it replacing anything that we're currently doing. I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think in history of other equivalents and at a very simple level, the the invention of the calculator, I imagine that some people at the time were saying, you know, we, we shouldn't have the calculator because it's crucial that people can do their own multiplication of some big numbers that we should be able to work that out ourselves. But I guess we rely on the calculator to give us that, that, those answers. I, I don't mean simple arithmetic like seven eights being 56, but more complicated things. We rely on the calculator to give us the answer because then it means that we can do other things. And I guess with AI in schools, in education, it, it, it equips the girls in downhouse now and in the future to be able to learn in a different way so that they can learn more and develop that learning and that, that understanding in the future. I think that's absolutely right. And, and that will happen both at university and it will happen in the workplace as well, because AI will be able to be used to do some of the very, very straightforward tasks um, and a lot of the analysis that perhaps young interns or, or others may have done in the past. And it frees that human resource, if you like, to be used in different ways. doesn't mean that you don't as, as Mrs. Bassett said, you still need to have the knowledge to know that what you're getting is is right, but it does allow us to, to use our time differently. Okay, let me ask you a, a different question then. If you could jump back in time to being a younger self, a younger version of yourself, and and instead of growing up in, in the era that you grew up in or the era that I grew up in, that instead you grew up in an era where AI was emerging when you were 15 or 17. I'm thinking of Sophie and Astrid right now uh, being roughly those ages. Uh, is that something that you would choose to do or would you leave your own history completely unchanged and leave the, leave the learning and development of AI to the next generation? Oh, that's a hard, hard question. I probably wouldn't change anything in the past, but that's probably just because that's, you know, what, what's done's done, and I like to you, you like to look forward. But I do think used well, there are some brilliant opportunities uh, for young people now. So, um, I would, if I was fifteen and seventeen, I hope I would embrace it in the same way that the girls here have, um, because it does provide exciting opportunities. I was trying to think what the equivalent would would be, but um, I'm not sure I've got it. But there is so much in terms of, um, well, as Mrs. Bassett just said, you know, encouragement of of creativity. Um, I think it can move away some of the rather less exciting bits of of learning, perhaps, and uh, for, from them. Um, and also, as you started going right back to the very beginning we can allow it to tailor and to help individuals in a way that I think would have been useful in the past. I and mean, Helping individualised learning has got to be a positive. 
Well, exciting times to come for sure. And some people say that, well, in fact, a lot of people say that that AI is going to be as big as, if not bigger than the internet and, and the dawn of that. So clearly the future is going to be exciting, none more so than in the world of education. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on time. Mrs. McKendrick, we, we need to bring this to a close, but, but thank you for being here. Uh, I'm going to leave you to get to that boarding house now to talk to the girls about their mocks results. But thank you so much for being here. It's been really good talking to you. Thank you very much. And Mrs. Basnett, been great talking to you. Thank you for giving us your input from a well, in your position there at school being you know, responsible, I mean, that, that, that is no small job. So I, I don't envy you for that. But thank you for being here and talking to us about that today. Thank you. And girls, been great talking to you both, Sophie and Astrid. And uh, I wish you both very well for your future. In fact, Astrid, I forgot to ask you what A-levels you're studying right now. I'm studying math and physics and art. Math, physics and art. All great. And where are you hoping to go uh, after you leave Downhouse? Any ideas yet? I'm hoping to attend university in London, still looking at some options at the moment. Okay, well, we've got a bit of time. Well, between you and Sophie, thank you so much for being here. It's been great talking to you both as well. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So that's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school's website, downhouse.net. And our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.